Hey friends, welcome to the Kingdom Movement Leadership Podcast, where you can be equipped and inspired to grow and maximize your influence as a leader. I hope you enjoy today's episode. We're so excited to have a special guest with us, Peter Lewis from Texas, um, Upper Room at Braveheart Ministries. You're, you're an amazing minister, and God has used you mightily in our generation. Tell us a little bit more about you. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, born and raised in Texas. Have an amazing family, five beautiful children. Used to be a professional soccer player turned minister of the gospel. So it's my new passion, that and food, and now Russian sauna. <laughs> That's awesome. And you've been with Upper Room for how many years now? Really since the beginning. So 2010, back when it was a little prayer meeting in an apartment, uh, we met Michael and Larissa and just God knitted our hearts together. And yeah, I've been on that journey ever since. That's amazing. And what it's become today and how it's impacting the world. Yeah. Did you guys ever see that when you guys were in the living room? I didn't. I, you could ask Michael. He may have seen it. Um, but um, yeah, it's been so humbling, man. I think just to see what God's done with, with the power of media. You know, um, you know, people come, one of their, the things they say a lot is, man, I thought it would be bigger than this. You know, like, because it's just this small, relatively small room. Um, but man, we've just been loving on God, you know, and you realize people are hungry for God. And I think the, whatever the exposure God breathing on it is really just an indication of what people want is they want his presence, you know, they want him. And so, yeah, it's just been humbling. Never, never would have. Would you say it happened by accident or it was very intentional and planned? Um, it's a good question. I, I would say, uh, it, it wasn't accident and it wasn't planned, but it was intentional. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can plan things like that. I think we were intentional to pursue God. Um, we didn't accidentally pursue God. We pursued God, you know, we did that very purposefully. Um, and as we pursued him, he gave us you know, little things along the way, you know, we are led by his voice. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of things we didn't do that a lot of people thought we should do. Um, and that was probably the most notable thing. Um, that intentionality um, led us to not do a lot of things because we wanted to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. So it was saying yes to something, but also saying no to something. Yeah. Absolutely. What would be some of the core values that that were very intentional for you guys as you were building this? Yeah, I would say um, first and foremost, kind of the biggest shift in everyone's mindset was when we're gathering, whether it be uh, for a service or prayer meeting, we we kind of came with the mindset and we, we got this language over time, but we didn't come primarily first and foremost to get something from God, uh, which was a big shift for a lot of us growing up in church. You come to hear nice worship. You come to hear the word preached to be fed. And I think the big shift that God had to do with us is we're actually coming to, to give ourselves to him. 
and and that that moved his heart, that we could move his heart by just showing up to say, God, man, I've had a rough week. It's been hard, but I'm here and I'm gonna give you my praise. I'm gonna give you my worship. I'm gonna give you my thanks. And and that really was kind of one of the biggest core values is, is just to bring ourselves to him, to, to worship him, to thank him. Um, and then second, I would say, you know, really responding to God in his presence, like he's a person. And so early days in the upper room, I didn't, I never preached in a church. I never, you know, wasn't trained in ministry, just loved God, hungry for him. And we had a, um, we had a deal where we just showed up. There was maybe two or three of us on the team that would preach, you know? And Michael was like, let's just, let's just pray before service and see who has the word. And so like, we didn't, you know, and I thought that was normal because I'd never been a part of a church. And so we would just show up and worship's going on. We're like, we're still sometimes wondering like, who's got the word? And we're like, I think you got it. He's like, no, what you were sharing in there is good. I think you've got it. And so then worship would end and we just get up there and like preach the word. And it wasn't because we didn't plan. Like we, we'd been studying the word. We'd been, you know, feasting on God. We just wanted, we wanted to do what he was doing. And so I would say that was probably the core value that shaped everything we've done is just we, we wanted to respond to God uh, when he moved and not just plan a schedule and a service that we thought would be, you know, meaningful for people. Mm-hmm. And what is happening now? Um, well, there's been a lot of growth. Um, we, Michael had a vision of, uh, of a dying man. Um, this was a few years ago. And he saw this drip IV going into the man. And, and I forget the exact details, but the Lord was like, hey, I want you to drip your culture through media into this dying man, which he believed was the church um, or, or, or culture, I think even. And so he's like, like, cause early on the Lord said, don't brand it. Like, don't do any media, no website. Like it was this thing, like, you know, you're like, okay, God's doing something here. We should, we should mm-hmm. brand it and at least let people know where it is. And the Lord said no for like years. And so finally we had this grace to like, Hey, put like, let people see what, what's happening. And, and then from there with YouTube, it just, it just blew up. Like people started going all over the globe. Um, Michael W. Smith picked up one of our songs, like flew one of our worship leaders out there. And it was like, wow, this is crazy. And uh, so I think from like what's happening now is like um, Upper Room is really gotten clarity um, as to uh, our call and what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, And so right now we're just trying to respond to that growth. We're in a season, our church is in a season of like seeking the Lord for just this next season, I feel like we're in a really transition season of God just expanding, you know, um, not, not necessarily our influence, but, but how we take what God's given us in, in share it with the world and with the church. Yeah, that's so good. And I think, would you say that's one of the secrets is, you know, reminds me of Matthew five where Jesus is teaching about prayer and he says, when you pray, go to you know, your room, shut the door behind you and your father who is in secret mm. you know, will reward you publicly. And I think for you guys, 
you've you've done something in secret way before it was known publicly. And was it you that said, uh, whatever uh, God starts, he sustains. Mm -hmm. Whatever man starts, he has to sustain. Right. And this really looks like something that God started and he's sustaining it. Mm -hmm. And there's just a a breath of God on it. There is uh, such a favor on this and someone looking at it might just think, well, I, we could write songs too. Right. And I think we could record like this too and get big too. And, and sometimes we, we look at that and we bypass the secret place. We bypass the death process to self mm-hmm. and, and, and want to jump into this influence. Yeah. So I would say uh, just knowing your story a little bit, I think that was one of the, main elements that brought you to such influence today. Mm. Uh, would you agree with that? Or Yeah, you mentioned something, the death process. I don't think that's preached and taught enough. Um, you know, the guys up there on stage leading worship, they, they'll do it in empty rooms. They don't do it for the praise of men. They don't do it for YouTube views. Um, they do it for an audience of one. And, and I think like what you said, like when you seek him in secret, he rewards you openly with himself. And so anyone seeking to kind of advance the kingdom and make an impact, just know that God's going to, he's going to plant you in the ground to die. Um, Because, you know, uh, you have to, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it'll bear much fruit. Mm. And so that death process is not fun. It's not pleasant it's oftentimes requires you doing things that you're, you don't feel anointed to do. Like at the beginning of our journey, we get this like great call and these dreams and these anointings, we're like, we're going to change the world. Like we, we wanted to change the world. Like we knew like in our hearts, like I think every born again believer is wired to like change the world and to, mm-hmm. you know, we want to see worldwide revival. Like you have God in you. Right. But the problem like Joseph is you get these dreams and you think it's like going to just happen. And then you go through this, like, you know, seasons of just darkness and wilderness and betrayal and prison, you know, and those prisons look different. Sometimes those prisons look like you're the most anointed worship leader at your church and no one knows it. And they're telling you to like, Hey, you need to be on the greeting team. And you're like, on the greeting team, you know? And, and I would just encourage those people. Like, if you know, God's called you somewhere, like just stay there and, and just die because he'll resurrect you and it'll be glorious. So, so good. Yeah. Um, I heard Bill Johnson say this, um, really marked me. He said, everything we learn, we learn out of worship. Mm. We learn miracles out of worship, prophecy, mm. healing. A, a lot of it comes out of that place of worship. Um, what is worship? What does that mean to you? Mm. What does that mean to the upper room that has really become a wineskin for uh, for worship in our generation and and has influenced so much of the worship culture that we have today in the church. What does worship mean to you? Yeah, so we have a phrase, worship is agreeing with who he is, simply. It's just coming into agreement with who God is. God is great. God is holy. God is... Uh, He's good, he's kind, he's merciful, 
And so worship is simply in song and in heart saying, I agree with that. And you're responding to who he is. And then we say intercession is agreeing with what he'll do. And so it's like worship is who he is and intercession is what he'll do based out of who he is. And so, um, but for me personally, um, worship starts, it's that old Matt Redmond song, worship starts with seeing you. Like you have to, like, I don't think worship necessarily is, um, it can be a choice, but I think pure worship is a, is a, is a response when you see God, like the, the guys around the throne, the seraphim and the elders, they're not, they're not like, well, should we worship now? Like, you know, they're not making a choice. They're just exploding with worship because of who God is. And so I think for any, any worship uh, in a house, in, in a church, um, it starts with the eyes of people's hearts being open to who God is and just genuinely and authentically giving yourself over to that response. Because um, when you really see God, that glimpse of who he is, you respond. It's the most, it is, it is right and good for the righteous to praise the Lord, right? Like it's befitting uh, to worship him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I recently saw this, um, you know, in the story where Jesus was walking on the storm on, on water mm. to the disciples and they thought he was a ghost. And Peter said, if, if, if this is you, allow me to come and walk on water to you. And he says, come. So Peter walks on water, then he begins to sink. Then Jesus lifts him up. They walk on water back to the boat. And the natural response would be like, how did you guys do that? That's amazing. And to be fascinated you know, by the miracle mm. that took place. But what we read in scripture is that they all bowed and worshiped him mm. and said, truly, you are the son of God. And there's something about that revelation that brings out true worship mm. um, in our heart when we begin to see him as Lord. And, and so it was just fascinating also like in, when Peter saw the great catch as he obeyed the Lord, he, you know, Jesus said, go and cast your nets. And so he gets this big catch and the Bible says the moment he docks to shore, he leaves everything and follows him. Mm. I think that's worship too. Yeah. You know, it's not just a song, it's a lifestyle. Right. And he leaves everything because of how he's seen him through the miracle. Mm. And so miracles to me is also an invitation yeah. to see him mm. and, and respond in worship to yeah. who he is. I love that. Yeah, it's a revelation of who he is, yeah. right? It's like, wow, this is who you are. Um, and you can know who someone is based on what they do. Yeah, yeah. amen. Um, would you say, uh, it's a common phrase now, and maybe to some of the church leaders or pastors or people in ministry, um, you know, Jesus said that we, we should pray like this, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the common question is like, what, what, what is God doing today? Like, what does that look like in our generation, in our time? Because we understand that God's doing something progressively. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something that's happening progressively to usher in his return. What, 
how would you answer that? What, what is God doing today mm. on the earth? And is there a transition? Is there a shift? Is there something new happening? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think there's a. I think we're in the midst of a reformation. Every 500 years or so, there's a there's a major reformation in the body of Christ. Um, I think the Lord's eyes right now are on His bride, um, and I may be skewed in that because I have a calling to the bride. But um, I I feel like the the Lord has not forgotten the world. Um, he loves and, and wants all to be saved, right, and reconciled to Him. But I believe He's. Um, I believe the church has been tested um, these last few years. I think it's being sifted and cleansed and judged in a right and good way. And um, I think part of that reformation uh, looks like uh, where where we've built according to traditions of men in religion and practices that really hinder God from being God, um, I think he's tearing those things down in his mercy. Um, you even see this massive exodus out of evangelicalism with the ex-evangelical movement, people deconstructing the faith. You see this like this language and people are questioning what they've grown up in. And, and that, that makes a lot of people nervous. Um, and I don't think it should make us nervous. I think it should make us sober. Um, because you can't deconstruct something without reconstructing something. Mm. And so like when you, like we just remodeled our kitchen and like you don't do demo just for demo's sake. And so I think a lot of people are demoing their faith. And I think as leaders, we have an opportunity to help them reconstruct their faith upon the man. Because um, so much of our faith has been in pastors and churches and leaders. And so there's been so much disappointment and hurt and frustration and bitterness. Like the church did this to me and this man did that to me. Well, my faith is not in men. My faith is not in an organization. My faith is in Jesus Christ and he will never fail. And so I really believe that's what ha what's happening is that the Lord is reestablishing our faith, the faith of the gospel, the faith, the Christian faith is being put back on the man, Jesus Christ. Um, and you see that there's this cry for simplicity. There's this cry for authenticity to strip everything away and, and just pursue him. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it happen all over the world is there's just this deep visceral cry for Jesus and Jesus alone. And, and I think in that as leaders, we have a real opportunity um, that pursuit alone um, is good. It's like our compass is pointing back north into the right place. Um, but I think we have an, a responsibility and a stewardship um, to partner and co-labor with God to see those people established in the faith until he returns so that they run well, so that they don't throw in the towel, so that there's not just receive the word at once with joy and then trials come and, you know, all these things happen. So anyway, I don't know if that makes sense, but Absolutely. yeah, I think there's just a real shift of like from man to the presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. How would you father what the Lord is doing? Because I know that one of your passions is to strengthen the church, the body of Christ, and see the body of Christ come into maturity, mm -hmm. come into fullness. And uh, if you can speak a little bit into that, and then secondly, um, what would be your suggestion, advice um, 
to leaders mm. how to father this transition, this reformation, and what God's doing on the earth, mm. and not to allow what God was doing yesterday mm. to be an enemy to what yeah. God's doing today, and and how to maybe sometimes get out of the way. Yeah, and that could be scary to a leader because. Uh, you know, we, we tend to try to control and maintain mm-hmm. something that's already built. Mm. So, so speak into that a little bit. Yeah, I would say first and foremost, um, it starts with knowing that Jesus is our leader. We have a good father who has committed to initiating the movement of the increase of his government in his peace. There shall be no end. And so I take a lot of comfort and strength in that I'm not the one moving the kingdom forward that Jesus is. And I get to co-labor and partner with him and respond in obedience. Um, And so that's number one. Number two, I would say um, really distill down like what's gonna matter when he comes back. And for me personally, I've narrowed it down to two things, uh, faith and love. I think when, when Jesus returns, um, that's going to be what counts. First Peter 1 says this. It says, hey, you've, you've had to uh, basically go through these trials, the tested genuineness of your faith, though it's tried by fire. Um, it's going to result, it's more precious than gold, but it's going to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Meaning when Christ comes, our faith is the currency we get to spend on that day. Wow. And so as a leader... You know, our joy is to present a company of people and say, look, like Jesus, look, look, this is, these are a people who wholly are devoted to you. And I spent my life laboring so that they would be confident on that day, so that their hearts would be pure and clean, that they're established in the faith. And that faith expressed itself in love while they were here on earth. And so I think those two things, faith, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so as we build and labor for his kingdom, um, we've got to fight the temptation. Like your budget's not going to matter on that day. You know, how many, you know, Instagram followers is not, you're not going to cash that in. How many podcasts, YouTube listens, you can't cash any of that in, but you can cash a life lived um, with a clear conscience um, that, that has presented people holy and blameless at yeah. the return of the Lord. So, and so, yeah, I would say just really finding those things that, can, that, that you know will last for eternity and build into those things and resist the temptation uh, to, to build things that are not gonna last. Yeah. You know, they, they say that the, I think you said this too in our conversations, um, that the testing is not really um, in in that place when you're going through something, when you're going through a challenge or a need, but you're tested uh, in, in victory, when you have abundance, when, when you have a lot of followers and mm-hmm. you have a lot of influence, that's where the real test is. Um, and, and sometimes we give into the temptation of what influence looks like. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we stop following him and mm-hmm. what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's that proverb, the crucible for gold, the furnace for silver, but man is tested by the praise he receives. It was King David. He was supposed to be at war. He had had victories. He'd had abundance and he was tested in that place. And so we can never, we can never allow what people, you know, I remember the father one time I preached this sermon and my heart was just kind of a little crusty and numb. And this person came up to me and said, 
man, you, you, you just, that was just for me. Like that changed my life. And I remember thinking like, man, my heart is not like, it's kind of like crusty and dry. And I just preached out of obedience. And the Lord said, son, don't ever be deceived by what people think of you. He said, I'll use you no matter what. He's like, but you and I know where your heart's at. And I think, I think we can never, we've just got to stay low and stay humble and let God father us. And I would, I would say to leaders and pastors and worship leaders, if you want to, you know, lead this thing, you got to master the gospel. You, you have to know the gospel. You have to give yourself over to the revelation of Jesus and not be afraid to preach him, to sing him, to declare him. Um, we need the proclamation of the gospel in this hour. Like, not just like, hey, died on a cross, give your life to him, but truly those who can articulate uh, who this man is and what he's done and why he's done it. Um, that's what we need, I believe, in this hour. Um, is people that that have seen him and can declare him and help help people who have not seen him. Uh, they can illuminate their heart by the Spirit of God, by the anointing of God. They can they can make Jesus big in their hearts again. And I think if we can get an army of those those kind of leaders who are not going to just preach some fancy message, but like preach the man, man, there's no telling what he'll do. That's so good. Yeah, so good. We say that ministry is not the goal. It's a result mm-hmm. of intimacy. Yep. And ministry is not something we do, but it's who we are. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a lifestyle, and mm-hmm. it's who we've become mm-hmm. as a result. Mm-hmm. We've become his ambassadors. We've become his voice on the earth. We see from Genesis to Revelation that God, God didn't do anything on the earth without involving man. Mm-hmm. So whatever God's doing today, he's doing it through his body, mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. And so it's so amazing to see the church stepping into that uh, maturity and fullness and that invitation from the Lord into this place. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, there was so much wisdom and so much gold that we can draw from this conversation. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. We're so honored. And for the people listening, um, braveheartministries.org. And then there's a few books that you released. What are those? Yeah, so there's Back to the Gospel, which is just helping people know the gospel. Um, Back to Pentecost, which is, I wrote that for people who um, really want to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then Keep the Blood Warm, which is a 30-day devotional about just fixing your eyes on Jesus and the cross and all that stuff. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Keep the Blood Warm. I've heard great things about it. So guys, make sure to go check out braveheartministries.com uh, or excuse me, .org and uh, you'll be able to find that material. I'm sure it's going to bless you. Thank you guys for joining us. If this uh, ministered to you or bless you, please share it with others.